Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. All right, James, uh, it is a mid-November. Is it mid-November? It's almost the end of November. Uh, the games are just flying by. There's lots to talk about. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I haven't seen you in forever. We're at, Jonas, we're at the 20-game mark now for the Leafs. They have they have won 10 games, and they have lost 10 games. And they have the third most points in the NHL. Oh, no, sorry. Uh... Tied for the fourth most points in the NHL, third most in the conference. Okay, so that's a good place to start. That's not on the schedule, but I want to start there. Actually, I was setting us up. Yeah, was, you did I, a good job. Like th- this is <laughs> this is excellent. Um, so, I think what I'm trying to do the numbers in my head. Their their their, their record in November is good. Uh, you mentioned their place in the I NHL think seven one and seven one and two. I think is that right? Seven one no because of the, the no, seven one and three. Yeah. yeah, six one and three. Something six one and three. So let me ask you this, like a very um, zoom out kind of big picture question. The Leafs to this point have exceeded expectations, met expectations, or come in below expectations? Um, I think record wise, they're probably around expectations, but I would just say, well, maybe even a little bit below. I would say in general, I think they're a little bit below expectations. I think that's right. I, I, I think what's so strange is like... You look at that record in November, you think of all the injuries that they've had, mm-hmm. yep. and you look at their five-on-five play and like the play of some of their best players, and it's like, I mean, if they can be in that position through all that, you'd take that 100 times out of 100, wouldn't you? Glass half full or class half empty, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think if you're in, you're right, like in the context of how many players they've been missing, I think that it's just... I don't know. They just they have just haven't looked very inspiring. Like there haven't that's been very the thing. yeah. There that's haven't the been other thing. there haven't been very many games where it's like wow. Like you know they played great tonight. You know you know I, the Vegas game. I think um, there just has there had there hasn't been a lot where it's been like you know. And I would say the last two years there were a lot more nights where last three years maybe even if you want to go back that far. There were a lot more nights where you were like, 
they played really, really good and they look like one of the better teams in the league. And, you know, even with, you know, it's they, they've won 10 games, they've lost 10 games, but five of them have been in overtime. So they have 25 points in 20 games. The the level of parity in the league this year is is wild. Like if, if the Leafs had four fewer points, they'd be down around, you know, 15th, 16th in the league. So, you know, the, the losing those games in overtime instead of in regulation is the difference between having one of the best records in the league right now and in a very mediocre one. They are ninth as of this recording in points percentage. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you hit. That's I, probably closer to where they deserve to be. Yeah, and like goal differential, they're only plus five. I don't know. Like that's that's kind of you've kind of hit on the way I've been thinking about this. It's like yeah, like given everything that's happened to be in the spot that they're in, great. But they just haven't like you and I obviously messaged a lot about this. They just haven't looked like a team where you're like, man, that's a team like they've got something here. It, it feels like. I don't know. Like it, it, there are parts obviously missing. There are parts that I think that they need to replace. Um, well, you, you, let me just interrupt you. I, sure. It feels like they've lost something from last season. It feels yes. like they've like I don't. Well, you know, like the sp- uh, spark or, or well, something that they that had we a, saw. Two parts to that, James. I think like number one, obviously, Matthews has not been the same player as last year, which we are going to talk about. Uh, and then, like, I think they miss the threats that they had lower in the lineup. Like, they don't have anyone like Mikheyev. They just don't. I thought Engvall might be that guy this year. He hasn't been. Like, and then you add, like, Kasha wasn't around all the time, but, like, he was another guy who was, like, a little bit scary from the bottom of the lineup. He could play higher in the lineup. I don't know. Like, Pierre, they, they, Pierre Engvall has two goals and four points in 19 games. Yeah, I mean, the, exactly. That, that contract has not worked out at all. Well, and he'll be a UFA at the end of the year. And like, if this keeps up, like, I think, I mean, who knows? Like, there's too much time left to, to make judgments on that. But yeah, I don't know. Like, they they, they need, um, I think, some upgrades in certain situ- in certain spots. Like, we'll have lots of time to talk about that. Um, before we keep going, we should talk about the news from the game on Monday night. Um, we can talk about overtime and their struggles in overtime. But obviously, the bigger news is... Morgan Riley, we're recording this before practice on Tuesday, so we don't know the extent of his injury. It's possible he doesn't miss any time. It's possible he misses time. Um, what are your thoughts on on that situation? Let's let's assume he's going to miss some time. I don't know that we can. It's even fair to make that assumption, but it didn't look great. Obviously, well, yeah, I, it's one of those things where it's hard to know if it's going to be like day to day or it's going to be week to week or potentially even worse than that. So. There might be an update at practice later today, so it's kind of pointless for us to speculate. People, when by the time they're listening to this, might know. Oh, they will what, for what, sure. What the what the situation? Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I, I it could be one of those nebulous diagnoses, but I guess what do, what do you think they do, Jonas? If like, let's say he's out for a few weeks minimum, like mm-hmm. what what and you know Brody's out and and that's dragged on. It could drag on a little bit longer. Um, Muzzin obviously well documented that he's probably not going to play again. Um, that's, that's a very substantial pieces of their blue line. I, I guess again, like glass half full, you get to see more of what Lilgren and Sandine, you get to see more of what your blue line can do without those guys. And if you can, if someone can step up and play well, glass half empty, it's like, boy, like 
you you keep getting all of these knocks and some of your stars aren't playing great at five on five and you're not getting a lot from lower in the lineup and you know the goaltending is been better than it probably should should have been um i don't know like it's it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they how they fare without riley who i think it's we should probably say has not really had the great a great season so yeah i think you've, you've hit on a lot of stuff there um I think what would be interesting about it, and Sheldon Keefe made this point, he was not happy after the game last night. I think just the way they lost the game, obviously the injury to Riley, but he made the point in not the best terms that that basically like they've had these injuries to Brody and Muzzin and they've like survived. And and actually defensively, they probably played their best all year in the last little while without Brody, without Muzzin, their two best defensive defensemen. But Suddenly, if you don't have Riley and you don't have Brody and you don't have Muzzin, I think the the interesting parts to me, James, are what you mentioned. We're going to get to see Sandy and Lilgren play more. I'm interested think, to see uh, how that goes. Yeah. Do you think Sandy will fight more? <laughs> That's a good look for him. Like, I don't like fighting at all. I think it's nonsense that it's in the game. But like, you can't help but like the instinct to protect his teammate. But like James, like those guys are supposed to be the future top four pieces for the Leafs. Like, and so now you're potentially going to get a chance to see them in that kind of situation. I'm interested to see how that goes because I thought the most interesting thing Kyle Dubas said, I guess it was last week. I think it was after we recorded when he was asked about trading for a defenseman in light of the injury to Muzzin. And he basically said, you know, we're, we want to see how those guys respond. But the more important part to me of what he said was, even if those guys elevate, it might not be enough. And to me, that was the real nugget of truth there, that even the best of those guys would still leave them kind of lacking uh, at least one part in their top four. But I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Like Maybe those guys play so well with more minutes that the dynamic changes and maybe they don't have to get a defenseman. Do you think that's crazy or... Mm. I think it's crazy a little bit. Like I, I don't expect that. I still think you 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 have to replace Muzzin. Like you can't say Muzzin is so important, so important, so important, and then just not try to get someone better. I don't. Um, am I wrong? Like, well, it's interesting. Yeah, I think the Leafs have played decently defensively this season. You know, like I I, I just. I don't know about that. I think the last 10 games is, have been better than the first 10 games. And I guess that's yeah. maybe to be expected. You know, every season it's kind of rough early going. I think that they've been fine defensively, you know, and like for all of the noise and the hot seat stuff and whatever about Sheldon Keefe early on this season. I mean, I think you got to credit the coaching staff, at least in part, because, you know, they, they look like the more than the sum of their parts. You look at on paper on who they have on D and you're like, I don't know if they can get it done. And then you look at the results that they're putting up and they have gotten it done more or less at, at least at least to be like more than what you would potentially expect from this group so but I, it's there's an interesting debate in the what, what do we call it in leafs nation on social media about you know like if they're going to make an addition to the trade line should it be a defenseman should it be a forward are they going to need to add a goalie I mean, I think the reality is they're probably going to need to add more than one thing, right? So they're going to have to get a little bit creative and add, potentially add maybe a forward and a defenseman. You know, they sort of did that last year. I mean, they added Labushkin and Giordano and Colin Blackwell last year at mid season and before the deadline. 
So potentially it's going to be more than one piece that they're looking at, and it doesn't need to be an either or question. Yeah. I would prefer James like, and, and again, like we'll have lots of time to talk about that kind of stuff. I would like a little bit less like nibbling kind of moves and more of like an actual impact kind of transaction. So like bring if you're going to trade, bring back David Riddick. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like I would rather, I don't know. I don't know how to explain myself in except to say that like if you're going to get a forward, don't get Frank Vetrano. Get like get like a forward, you know what I mean? Like don't get another fringy like another Cali Yarncroft kind of addition where it's like maybe he fits in your top 6, but maybe he doesn't. Like yeah. if you're going to get someone, get someone, you know what I mean? No, I get where you're coming from. It's just a question of yeah, maybe maybe it does make more sense, but I don't know, and then you come back to like is is what they have on the blue line going to be enough when you get into the playoffs and you're playing only good teams and you all of a sudden the matchups matter more? And So what would you do? Let's say they don't have Riley and Brody and obviously Muzzin for a spell here. What do you do? Like, who, I think if I think what I would try and do is, is put Lilgren into big minutes and see what he can do. Well, I don't think you're going to have a choice. Like I, To me, I would just kind of keep... The pairs the way that they've been, Giordano with Hall, Sandine with Logan, and then play Ben, I guess, with Victor Mete on your third mm-hmm. pair. I, I think that's probably what I do. And like inevitably, Sandine and Logan are going to play more. They're going to play harder minutes. I'm interested to see how that would go over an extended period for Giordano. I know you can look at a lot of the numbers and like they look great, but like he he's the oldest player in the league, and like you start to push him more and more and more, and suddenly. I think there's some goalies older than him, aren't there? Craig Anderson's older than him. Skater. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm just interested to see how that goes. Like, There was a reason, clearly, that they were not pushing him too much in the early going, and obviously they don't have really a choice right now. Has, has Sheldon Keefe talked about that, like the managing the ice time for Giordano? No, every time I've meant to ask it, I just haven't, but... Um, it's going to be relevant today. <laughs> well, let me ask you this because actually you hit on something that I was talking about with Dom, our man Dom. Um, he was making the argument that the Leafs don't actually need a defenseman, that it it's, it's a very Toronto-centric thing to look at their roster and pick it apart. And you look at last year and like if they hadn't played Tampa, like they would have they would have been fine. And like that even if you have the current group minus Muzzin, that's good enough. And in my case, Sam was like, I, I just don't see how that's good enough. Um, I don't know who you're looking at in that top four and saying, like, that's my go-to pair to shut down Kucherov. Like, I, I, I think it's asking too much of Justin Hall. I think it leaves Morgan Riley potentially without an adequate partner. I just don't know how you go four rounds, and that's the goal, with what they have currently. Where do you sit? Yeah, no, I mean, again, we've talked about this on the show before, but I think someone like a Gavrikov, someone who can play defensive minutes in your top four, who brings a bit of a physical element that you're missing. I mean, that's I think that's part of why Jordy Ben has looked so good is that he's just bringing something different to the table yes. on the back end that they need. 100%. Yeah. So if you can get an upgrade on him. The other thing, too, you got to keep in mind is if Justin Hall turns into bad Justin Hall you need you you can't bet your season on that it's just yes. too important of a postseason for this team yeah so that's a good point. you know I, I fully expect they're going to add a defenseman like I I, I it, it's an interesting it's it's almost like an 
analytics versus intangibles question right now of whether they need a defenseman or a forward. But like I said, yeah. I think the right the right answer is actually try and get both if you can. Yeah, that was Dom's point that like and because like numbers wise you can look at it and say like they don't actually need a guy. And I would look at it and say like playoff hockey is different than regular season hockey. So let me ask you this then. If it was between an impact forward and an impact defenseman, which would you prefer? Because like you can obviously just add an impact forward and then add like a Scott Mayfield type on defense and hope that that's good enough. Where would you stand? I think that the the pertinent point there is that it's going to be easier to add an impact forward than an impact defenseman. It's going to be cheaper in terms of cost and there's just going to be more available. Like you look at the potential rental defensemen that are going to be available. There's not a lot of names on that list. You're like, are you going to be able to add an impact defenseman? I guess it just depends which teams fall out of the race, right? Yeah, but you gotta you gotta fall out pretty far to to be a seller at the deadline. You know, I I I get what you're saying that you want impact players, but you're gonna have to stretch your four million in cap space. I mean, part of what they might have to think about doing is moving some some money out. Like maybe you. You know, if Engvall keeps on his current trajectory, maybe you move him out and then that allows you to do something a little bit more substantial. Yeah, that's a good point. That's actually... Yeah, I'm just looking at the, the list of pending UFAs. Um, so tell me if any of these... Na- I'm just going to point out some guys from not great teams. Um, so Bo Horvat's a, a UFA at the end of the year. Like he's obviously I mean, he an important be, player there. He would be amazing if it could just get him for a playoff run, but... I don't. I don't know what the lineup looks like, but all of a sudden, well, maybe he pushes Tavares to the wing. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Oh, how about our old friend? He's not really an impact player, but he's a good player. Our old friend Trevor Moore, James, huh? UFA at the end of the year. Except the Kings are good, and like I don't know why they would trade him. Uh, he's been having a good season. He's good, man. He's he's a good player. Yeah, uh, he's, he's evolved into more than what I would have expected. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I can look at this closer at another point. But yeah, it's an interesting conversation. Um, we should take a break. I want to talk uh, about the... You, o- didn't, you didn't mention Patrick Kane. That's going to be that's <laughs> yeah. going to be the big pending UFA everyone's going to be talking about. That's a tough cookie to figure out how to fit that, right? Although I guess the Muzzin situation helps with that, you right? Know, who You know who else is a pending UFA who's a pretty good forward? Jonathan Taves. I was going to say Pasternak. <laughs> or what about, although now it's kind of, oh, yeah, Pasternak. Ryan O'Reilly, but except the Blues are now red hot. Yeah. I mean, that's th- that would be the kind of forward that you would love to add to this team. That's impact, right? Like, that's not, yeah, yeah that's not nibbling around the edges. That's not Nick Foligno. That, exactly. That, that's honestly, James, like that is the, the, the trade deadline I go back to where it's like Foligno or Hall. And I always preferred Hall. Because Hall is like impact, tangible impact, whereas Nick Foligno is intangible impact. Anyway, we don't need to get back into that. Uh, let's talk uh, after the break a little bit about the OT stuff. I want to talk about Matthews. I think we should talk a little bit about Nick Robertson, the situation there. Uh, Tavares, power play. I got lots of stuff we can delve into. And then we have the pod back. Uh, so let's take a break and come back and get into all that. Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. 
Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Okay, James, uh, your choice, where you want to go with this, we can talk about Matthews at five on five. We can talk about Nick Robertson. We can talk about the power play. Who, up to you. What would you like to discuss first? Uh, I say dealer's choice, Jonas. Give me what, what, you're, what you're feeling. Okay, we'll start with Matthews because I think that's, to me, been the most interesting thing to watch of late and really all year. Uh, so One of the gets, top 100 players in modern NHL yes. history. And if uh, actually that is good timing, James, uh, he was named the number 64 player. And Dom and I wrote about him uh, today at the Athletics. So if you want to go check that out. If people haven't seen it, we're doing a series called the NHL 99, where we rank the top 100 players in the modern NHL since the start of the, uh, since the post original six era. It's been a, it's been a really interesting exercise. And I actually, I have, my piece that I wrote comes up next week about one of the players in the top uh, NHL 99. It'll be pretty interesting. Well, and the good news is if you're not signed up to The Athletic, it's our Black Friday sale on right now through uh, the end of day on November 28th. So if you go to theathletic.com slash leaf report, it's $1 per month for 12 months. Um, but so Matthews gets a five on five goal against the Islanders. It's a really nice redirection. Um that's three five-on-five five goals all year. I wrote about this last week. I just think it's very bizarre. And like you could say it's shooting percentage and like obviously some of it is. But he just doesn't look like the same player at five-on-five five as he was last year. And even the year before that, like he was just like, he. you could make a very compelling argument that he was the best player in the league last year. And I did. And I think he was. And this year, it's just been off like offensively defensively he just hasn't been the same kind of dominant like what is what are you noticing about him right now in those respects i'm just not, i'm not noticing him off like i th- i think that the goals are are going to come and like he's going to be fine and he's going to get his 50 goals and whatever but i'm just not noticing him dominate defensively or dominate when he doesn't have the puck or or skate the way that he did yeah. last year and you look at it, even his ice time the last 5 games and he played Almost twenty three minutes against the Islanders, which is which is normal. But then you look against Buffalo, only fourteen minutes against Pittsburgh. You only played fifteen fifty three against Vancouver, sixteen fifty three. They've clearly been limiting him, and while no one's saying anything, I mean it. It it speaks to potentially there's fatigue or illness or something that's been going on with Matthews. I mean, I, I think it. We're deep enough into the season that we could say that. It, it it feels like there's something that's just off there. Well, and, and just to put a bow on that, like those 14 minutes he played against Buffalo were the second fewest he's played in a game in the NHL that didn't include an injury. And the, the fewest since he was a rookie. 
you know, and part of it is you're winning that game and you feel like you can rest your guys, but there's but man, James, they've 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 had lots of games like that and he's never played yeah. that little, you know? Like I think yeah. you're right. I think there's just whatever it is, something has not been right. Um we for, for well, what he's we just know banged right up, now. right? Like there's been a couple instances this year where something happened and it's like, oh, is he hurt? And he's like, No, he's okay. But the reality is he's probably just a little bit banged up, right? And then you play through it and then you get a little bit more banged up and Yeah. So I think the defensive he, point is really uh, key because last year it was just like he was just like a monster like it was like if he wanted the puck he just went and took it and they were gone and they weren't spending any time in their own zone now like you look this year and like they're spending lots of time in their own zone the defensive numbers aren't as good the well, you line pulled, hasn't been you, as good yeah you sent me the chart um i i it i'm having my mind's blanking on what the chart is called but from evolving hockey the RAPM, we have, the real adjusted plus right minus, yeah Right, real adjusted plus minus, and what was different on Matthews was the, the 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 expected goals against the scoring chances against were down significantly from what we've seen yeah. in the past few years. Yeah, and like that that was such a big part of the conversation last year with Matthews. It wasn't just that he was scoring at this insane pace; it was like he was like maybe the best defensive forward in the league or among them. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, been weird. Think- and obviously, James like. Just uh, I, sorry to interrupt you. I, yeah, I mean, I asked some of the analytics people. I remember last year when we were writing about Matthews a lot, you know, and they all had him, you know, top ten in some cases, top five for the Selkie last year. So, you know, and he and he did get some votes. I think I had him fifth on my ballot. Yeah, um, I think I think I probably did something like that as well. Like, I mean, Bergeron's still the goat, but and. That's not there this year. And and Sheldon Keefe's talked about this with the Leafs, that part of the problem is that how you play on defense affects how you transition offense. And probably, well, I mean, not probably, part of why they haven't been as effective at five on five has just been the fact that they haven't been as good at stripping the puck off other teams and, and turning it the other way and getting those odd man rushes or, or putting teams on their heels. Uh, Matthews finished 10th in Selkie voting last year. Yeah. Well, and James, like part of that conversation is the connection with Marner just wasn't there for whatever reason. Uh, it's weird. Like Marner is on this like 13 game point streak and and he's been better of late, but like it's not like he's been the player we saw last year, especially in the second half. They're just in like, like a weird place. Like I don't, I don't know what honestly that they should, what they should do with their, their top six moving forward. I think it makes sense to keep Matthews and Marner apart for a little bit, but you can see like the uh, the implications of that. Like it it suddenly creates these problems with matchups that you don't have when Matthews plays with Marner and and when they're playing so well defensively. Like it's all just been a little bit off. And yet, like Neilander on Monday night against the Islanders, aside from the overtime when he was not good, he was excellent. Like in that in regulation after a not a great game against Buffalo, so. Yeah, I I like really like the when Nylander's been on this season, he's been fantastic, and you know it almost just feels like you know he's on pace for for over forty goals, on pace for more than uh, eighty two points, more than a point a game. Like he's he's tracking for career highs, and even with you know the the Leafs team as a whole and the offense as a whole not really getting going to the extent we know they're capable of. Uh, okay, next. Next subject, James, because I, I want to get through some stuff before we get into the pod back. Um, where do you stand on on what's going on with Nick Robertson? Uh, I can understand why Sheldon Keefe got a little 
frustrated that he was asked about it again before the game against the Islanders. He had been asked about it like basically before every game the past few games. But it is not what I think is like a, an ideal situation to have their one of their top prospects who's 21 sitting out for a week at a time, more than a week at a time. Yeah. What do you think they should do? You've been around the team more than I have this season. Here's what I don't get, Jonas. Maybe I'm missing something. Why not just let him play with the Marlies a little bit? And then yeah, like when you want to play, like why not? Like I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like I, I don't think um, they love the send him up, send him down, send him up, send him down. Like I, they, I don't think that that's something. Well, that they send him love down for do. a month. Then, like, I mean, let him, you know, and just yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that's if, where say I'm if there's an injury, we'll we'll bring like. I don't know. Like, do they love him not playing at all? He's so young that I, I just feel like, I don't know. I don't. Well, do you, let me ask you this, James. Do you think it's beneficial for a player who has performed so well in the AHL? Is is it helping his development to continue to play down there if he's clearly too good for that league? And yet, mm, I would argue is against he though, myself. Jonas, like, is he like too good for that league? Like, is he like the MVP of the AHL? Like, he had a good, good season, point. but yeah, it's, it's fair. like I don't think he's like. Like he's not like running over everyone down there. Good point. That's a the AHL is a good league, and there's a lot of players that are a lot older than him, and they're still, you know, maybe they should play him down there, play him 21 minutes a night, play him, you know, first unit power play. I mean, put him on the penalty kill, whatever. Like play him a lot, play him, play him against other teams' best players in the AHL. Get him to like part of what you, uh, we're seeing with Robertson in the NHL is the defensive game's not there, right? So, yeah. is he going to be able to build that when he's playing 10 minutes a night? every second or third night in the NHL or can he build that in the AHL where you like like why don't you say to the AHL head coach we want to develop this guy's defensive game let's play him in in those situations yeah I like that I think that makes a lot of sense because like if he's not clearly a part of your NHL lineup right now and like he may get in this week I wouldn't be surprised if he does but if he's not like for sure in your lineup then then maybe what you're saying is is right. Like you should just have him playing games until well, he actually. I, I would have predicted like, this. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say until he actually is like, it's not a question that he's playing. Until he's at that point, then maybe he shouldn't be up with your team. Like, well, I thought coming into this year that the right play for him and what was going to happen, barring a whole bunch of injuries or something, was he was going to play half the year in the AHL and half the year with the Leafs. Like I thought that that's. I think that's kind of where he's at in his his development. But obviously, it feels like the Leafs see it differently. Well, do you know what's interesting, James? Like, I'm just looking at his hockey DB. Guess how many AHL games he's played? AHL. Not that many. I don't 51. know. 51. Yeah. Well, ex- so he's not too good for that league. Like, that's not enough. I, I, I had said, I had written in my Monday story that he is too good for that league. And I think you've sold me that that was probably a stretch. Like, it's not like he's like, you're right. Like he's not the MVP of the league and 51 AHL games. Like it's not like, and like, so you add the 51 NHL, AHL games to the 26 that he's played in the NHL. I'm talking regular season. It's like, I mean, it's man, not a lot of hockey. That's not a lot of hockey since he's been drafted. Like, I don't know. Anyway. I guess there's, they're, I don't know. They, they must still be trying to reward him for the training camp. I mean, part of, I don't know how, how if this plays into it. I mean, there's like a huge discrepancy in the salary you make if you're playing in the NHL versus yeah. the AHL. And for some players, that that can be a factor. Well, and, and I'm sure they're sensitive, or I'm guessing that they would be sensitive to some of the things 
that have gone on with Robertson where it's like there are times he probably thought he should have been up and wasn't up and like he's had injuries and I don't know, like you you just don't want to sour a prospect or lose him in some way. And obviously, like I didn't love that he didn't make the team out of camp and like that's a little thing, but like he gets called up right away, obviously. But yeah, it's it's not a it's not a so yeah. If if that's what this is about, then under what circumstance does he go to the Marlies right now? Like it feels like that's not even an option right now. Yeah, it's a good question. Like, so let's say he he plays one game this week or two games this week, or like let's say we go three weeks and he's played three games or four games. Does it does that make sense? Like Sheldon Keefe was curt on this uh on Monday. He had been a little bit more um he offered more explanation. I guess he elaborated more on it previously, and he basically said like He's still in the conversation to play each game. They've been in a spot where they've liked Holmberg at center. And that line, Holmberg playing between Engvall and Yarncroft, has actually been really good the last couple of games. So you like you Swedish can understand. Connection. Yeah, you can understand like why he's looking at it and be like, like who who do you want me to take out? Like I guess you could get to a point now where you look at that other line with Malgan, Aston Reese, and Camp. And I don't think they've been as great of late. So maybe you can make this the argument that I don't know, maybe you take Malgan out and put Robertson in. Um, but it's not like there's been an obvious place for him to go. And like that gets back to w- what you're saying. If there's not an obvious spot for him in the lineup, then maybe he should just be playing AHL games and not Boy, least playing games. They sh- they sure could use some offense down the lineup. I mean, like look at like Yarncroc yeah. has six points in 20 games. Yeah. Engvall has four. Mulgan has four. Aston Reese has three. Uh, who am I forgetting? Yeah. Home Holmberg, one point in five games. I mean, they they, yeah. they got guys that have played twenty games that have three or four points at this point. Well, and it doesn't feel like a fluke. Like it, those lines, they, they don't really. Does anybody down there scare you? No, they do not. Um, and and that adds to the what we were talking about. You know, saying yes. that they potentially need a forward. Yeah, and you know what, like. The other thing it does is it puts more pressure on those top two lines to produce. And so when they go through stretches, like basically the entire season where Matthews, the best five on five goal scorer in the league, isn't scoring, suddenly it's like, well, where are they getting their five on five goals? Like they score one five on five goal against the Islanders. Like it's just. You know, the other guy they miss down the lineup is Jason Spezza. Yes. Great point. Great point. Like I feel like I feel like they could have used him this year. Yeah, I mean, let's say he was on the team. And like let's say you're getting the version from the second half last year where he wasn't like he looked started to look his age. You'd still probably be playing him ahead of Holmberg. And I think you'd probably still be better off, right? Well, he still had that shot and he still had the ability to give you some goals that that we're just not seeing from from those players right now. Yeah. It's a good point. But he just like he clearly made the decision like if I'm not going to be in the lineup every night, which was a possibility and which was happening. Well, I'm sure the team said to him is like there's a possibility we'll have to put you on waivers and you might be with the Marlies and you might be in the Wayne Simmons situation depending on what happens. And yeah, I've been wondering but, that, James. Like, wh- what do you think that's? I wonder what that's like for him. I guess I could talk to him, but I don't know. Would you rather be not playing at all or playing in the AHL? I don't know. Anyway. You know, Simmons Simmons has played four games and averaged seven twenty nine a night. Yeah. But to your point, Spezza had twelve goals and twenty five points in seventy one games last year. 
Uh, yeah, like, I mean, a he chunk made, of that was on the power play, but like even their second power play unit could use something right now. Remember early last season when they the Leafs were struggling and they didn't have a lot going? I remember I went back and I was reading some of our stories and Spetz's name came up quite a bit. It's like they should play this guy more. Yeah. Um, before we get to the pod bag, uh, I just want to take a second and talk about John Tavares on the power play. He's just been unbelievable. And like, I'm trying to figure out, like, is there something different? Is he just like, is it just a case of good fortune? He's shooting like 30%. I, I don't think it's total just the shooting percentage. Like, I just think he's been, I don't know, like any chance he gets around the net, he's bearing it. Do you think that's luck? Do you think that's, what do you think that is? Well, I mean, he's always, I, I think, always been good at that stuff. I think there's something to the talk of, we probably didn't talk about enough that last season there was a, a hangover effect from the injury that he had that was obviously very significant and impacted his summer yeah. a year ago. And that's something that he's spoken to that, you know, he got like a real off season and he, he look he looks good. I mean, he looked good in preseason. He looked good in training camp. I know you wrote about some of the changes he made to his skating. And you can see it, James, like you can actually, like he does look quicker. And the other yeah. thing, like you mentioned, Matthew's ice time, they're playing Tavares less, a lot less. And I wonder how much that helps someone who's played as many games as he's played at his well, age. I think like, he probably should play. Yeah, he's he's averaging 17, 14 a night. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, he's he's playing less than than the Nylander. Um, well, and you look at some know. of these games lately, James, like he plays 13, 40 against Pittsburgh. He plays mm-hmm. 20 and a half against Jersey. Then he plays 14 minutes against Buffalo, 16 against the Islanders. Like, Well, I think using Tavares as like a weapon especially on the power play makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's still so deadly from that, from, from in tight. So yeah, every chance he gets, like it it feels like he's bearing it. So Jonas, I think there, I know uh, we're going to flip to the question soon, but there's two things I think that we need to talk about that. I don't know if they're on the, on your agenda or not. One, I think we should talk a little bit about what's going on with the goaltending. And two, I think we should talk about what's been happening with these overtime games. You know, it's funny, James, that was on the schedule for the first segment and I just forgot. <laughs> well, I'm like, so I'm glad you Why are, why are we talking me. about these two? These feel like two of the hot button topics around the team. So those are supposed to be in the first here. segment. Yeah, that, I appreciate oh. you getting us back on track. So which do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about the goaltending first, because uh, I wrote a little bit about that uh, on Monday morning. And basically the point was like their goaltending is actually... If you look at five on five, it's been among the best in the league. Now, I think there have been pockets in a lot of these games, especially the Eric Schalgren games, where he's given up some bad goals that have cost them points. But given like the injuries that they've had with Samsonov, with Murray, the fact that their goaltending has been fine is shocking. Yeah, and Schalgren's played a, a lot of, he's played 40% of their games. So, you know, and he's got an 891 save percentage. He's, I think Schalgren has been, what you could expect from a guy who's at best a tweener goalie right now. But I mean, the, the positive is again, glass half full glass half. I mean, both Samsonov and Murray have gotten hurt. That's, that's, that's glass, glass half empty. The positive is when they have been, when they've played, they've played pretty well. You know, I I think that you look at the body of work in the 12 games for Samsonov and Murray I don't think the Leafs could ask for anything more from those guys. I mean, Samsonov has been one of the real pleasant surprises of the season. And, you know, the hope is that he's potentially going to be back here soon. And we'll finally get a, a sustained look at what Murray and Samsonov look like together. Yeah. And, and so that's like the important qualifier is like, it there just hasn't been enough. And I, I mean, like we could be at halfway through the season and be like, yeah, like they've been good, but, but like, 
is it going to last? Like Samsonov has played eight games. Murray's played four games and both have been good. Like Murray has come back from the injury and looked really good, but it's like, will that keep up? Will he stay healthy? And that's why like, it's hard to, you could, if you wanted to, you could say, well, Kyle Dubas deserves some credit. It's like, it's too early for that. Like we need yeah. to see how this plays out. We we can't. Well, there, yeah. You know what I Speaking mean? Speaking of, yeah, like looking at, there's been a lot of talk about the goaltending and like, oh, you know, everyone, everyone was down on, on the goaltending moves the Leafs made, but look, they're one of the, they have one of the best goaltending tandems in the league so far. And it's like, whoa, like, let's just. Easy, right? Like we yeah, need more like, time. Like we need to see this play out. Yeah. But I mean, it, it is a positive early on this season that, that both Samsonov and Murray have played well in the games they've been healthy and played in for sure. I mean, that's, it's better than the alternative. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's smart how they've been trying to, I don't know what the right word is, protect Murray. Like they're just being very cautious with how they use him, how he practices, how much he practices, when he skates. I mean, given his injury history, that's, that's obviously what you should do. Uh, like he doesn't well, play I, Monday I, night. You yeah, know. they could. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They could have played him against the Islanders, right? And Shogren ends up making a mistake on the tying goal. And he, I don't know. The, the overtime goal was a hell of a shot. So, yeah, but the, the goal at the end of regulation, like that yeah. can't happen. Like that costs them a point. Yeah. Basically. I mean, I think the reality is, is that the Leafs, the other, I mean, you can say that, but it cost them a point too that the Leafs five on five offense wasn't able to generate more than they did against the Islanders. Like they had, yep. Yep. they carried the balance of play and they just weren't able to break through and score. And now Sorokin's a really, really good, but the, in in previous years, they would get another goal or two from their stars or, or from deep in their lineup, which there haven't been very many this year, and the pressure wouldn't all be on Chalgren to not make a mistake in the third period. Well, our pal Mark Masters reminded me the other day of something that, that Keith had said last year, and he basically said, like, Matthews is good for a goal basically every other game. Like, I can't remember. I think he was talking about five on five, but it's like... Yeah, right? Like he scored 38 five-on-five goals. So that's that's exactly what he's saying. So right now they rank, this is just pure rank. They are tied for 23rd in five-on-five goals. So let's look at their rate, James, and it's probably not much better, right? Uh, I'm letting you run with this. This is good. This is good radio here. Yeah, they are. Jonas wow. Pulling up the, the charts. They are 28th in five-on-five goal rate. 28th. Is, yeah. <laughs> That's not yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, and, and some of that shooting percentage, right? Like, some of that is going to turn for them. They are shooting, uh, they're shooting 7%, which is not amazing, but it's like middle, it's like, what is it, 20, well, actually, it's 27th. No, I know, because I've been looking at, like, if their PDO is, is we're getting in the weeds a little bit on the stats, but their PDO is it. like, is fine, but it's Their PDO the is exactly 100. Yeah, yeah. But but they've been unlucky in terms of the goals they've scored, and they've been probably a little bit fortunate in how many saves they've been able to get so far. Yeah, so it's kind of basically even out. Hence, what PDO is for. Uh, all right, uh, the overtime before we get to the pod bag. They just I don't know. Like it's almost like uh, I think Giordano made the most interesting point uh, after the game on Monday night. He actually made two points that I thought were really interesting. One, he he said like it's kind of starting to snowball on them a little bit where you can kind of feel that there is a lack of confidence. And the other thing he said that I thought was that I'd never heard before is that defensively teams have gotten much better in overtime than in previous years mm. where it's, 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 yeah, it's like it's, more it's, like there's a plan. Yeah. I've noticed that in watching some of the other games around the league, 
Yeah. So, so what do you make of that? Like he just said, like it's it's just become more of a defensive overtime than it was before. Well, what the one thing you see a lot now is that if there's a lot of tracking the puck back out of the zone, right? Like to keep possession and to take another run at it, or teams are teams are getting good at um, maintaining possession at three on three. Like I think early on. It was it was kind of more of a free for all, and and the skill would take over. But I don't know if this is fair to say or not. But the Leafs kind of look like they don't have a plan in overtime. Like they don't have. There's not like a. I don't know. Like you'd think that with all that open ice, that y- you would you would want to use units that had chemistry together that and that could really find each other. And but they do, watching, James. Like they 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 do use units that like. They use Matthews and Marner together a bunch. Obviously, it's been Matthews and Hall out there. Bunting was out there. I can't remember who Bunting yeah, but was that's, out there but, with. But. but but that's tough, James, because like, so they don't have Riley. Hall never plays in overtime usually, but like they don't have Riley. They don't have Brody. They don't have Muzzin. Like suddenly, like who who do you want to play, right? I guess you could have played Sandine, and, but I just, it doesn't feel like they trust him to play in those situations right now. But I, I think the bigger thing is like tactically, like what are they trying to do? And it, it and it, yeah. it was I went I went back and I looked at the Leafs overtime record cuz you know anecdotally just thinking about it it's like they've been the overtimes have been our producer punch was saying before that he likes watching the Leafs play in overtime it's like yeah they've been exciting to watch but they don't their record in overtime the last few years has not been great and I think that it's always been and Sheldon Keefe's always talked about it like this that the 3 on 3 is kind of like not a real game situation like it's kind of like just like a it's bunch of hokey. stuff happens and yeah like it's very but there are some teams you watch around the league and they've gotten quite good at it. You know, and I enjoy watching when I often flip the overtime on just to see some of the skill plays that some of these teams are going to make. Well, Mitch Marner made the point that they have to stop forcing things. And like you look at some of these games recently, like Neander, obviously, bunch of bad decisions. You go back to, I can't remember what game it was where Tavares makes the air. I guess, I mean, maybe the decision-making just has to improve. And, like, he was basically saying, stop trying to force things and kind of... Well, you got to be let, really careful because if you, if you, for lack of a better term, if you fuck something up, it's an odd man rush going the other way. Yeah. Every time. But then, like, you it's also just, have to try to make a play to, to win the game, right? Like, yeah, but I guess you got to make a play that doesn't leave you with a two-on-one going the other way. Yeah. Which is hard to do in three-on-three. So it's a stupid thing. <laughs> I think they should go. I, I I think that it should be four on four for ten minutes would be better for overtime. Yeah, at least four on four resembles something we actually see in a game. Like three on three is just made up. Like it doesn't. It's just completely outside of what hockey is for every other game. I don't know. Like I don't like it. It's one of those things though that like, if you're the coaching staff, you're probably like, we should probably like work on three and three a little bit in practice and i know well, they don't typically do that that much but they don't do it at all but i bet that starts changing yeah like, like just i wouldn't be surprised it's a week or whatever and like say here's i don't know watch some of the teams that are, i i haven't looked at their records and whatever but like florida is a team i like to watch in overtime or like vegas or like there's some teams that play a lot of three and three and that look really impressive with how they manage the puck and the Leafs are not on that list. Do you remember the good old days when Randy Carlisle would start Jay McClemon in overtime? <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> in, in three on three? <laughs> yeah. It was like, I was, but, there's actually, I don't know if you probably didn't see it yet today, Jonas. There's a really great feature about Luke Shen on the site today that oh, Armand okay. Dale, Dale wrote out in Vancouver. 
and it, and I can't remember what the headline says. It's something like how Luke Shen resurrected his career, basically. And you know, he's been playing in the top four in Vancouver, and it gets into he talks about his time in Toronto, and he talks about what was happening with Randy Carlyle, and like there's some really good Leaf stuff in that Luke Shen story. And Luke Shen's a good guy, and you know, like when I right when I started my career, he was he was a rookie on the blue line, and we were kind of rookies together. And I have a soft spot for him, and it's it's you know he went from being waved through the league, playing, ending up in the AHL, you know, in his 30s. And he says in the story, like he had, he had people working for the team saying, are you going to retire rather than go to the AHL? Oh my so, God. and that was kind of like, it's a really, really good story. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but that just, your, your comment about the Carlisle era just reminded me of, you know, basically Luke, Luke Shen kind of said that Randy Carlisle was part of the reason why things didn't work out for him in Toronto. Oh yeah. Tough time. Good, like I, I always am reluctant to say nice guy, good guy, but like I actually genuinely think he is a nice guy. So good for you him. Mean Shen. You yeah, mean, like mean, yeah, I don't mean Randy Carl. I don't. <laughs> uh, so last year the Leafs were six and six in overtime. This year they're one and five. I went back and I looked at the last three years combined with this year. They're they're definitely under five hundred. So. The question is, like, how much of that do you believe is the randomness of what's happening and how much of it is the Leafs? I, I just think that they, they just look like they don't have a plan. And when I watch some of the other teams around the league, it feels like, I don't know if it's the coaching staff doing it or the players are coming up with it, but it looks like there's they're really kind of, um, they have some strategies that they use in three on three. All right, let's take a, a break and then let's dig into some of the questions in the pod bag. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. James, it's your favorite time of the show. It's the pod bag time. A reminder to support your local businesses. Eat local. You know, do your thing, James. You you know I love to eat out. Have a little fish and chips, some pizza. I maybe like a to drink burger. out. Maybe I got to start mentioning the bars I like to go to. <laughs> yeah. Given you can I do don't that. Get, I don't get to eat out that much because I've got little kids. Isn't there like a good one? Uh, is it called the local something something? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think it's local 1490, I think is what it's called. Yep. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Yeah, you and I were there for a birthday party a couple oh, weeks ago. Yes, that's why it's in my head. Right, right, right. Yep. There's yep. uh I'm trying to think of some of the other ones on the Danforth. Oh well, go ahead. All right. Michael says yesterday I drove behind a car and it had the license plate Love to Pun. Was it you, Myrtle? <laughs> Can you imagine if that was my license plate? That would be amazing. 
Well, now I can't be because someone else has it, so I can't get that. That could be uh, our old friend Paul Hendrick, who was a bigger <laughs> pun maker than you. I saw Paul last week. I saw him. I was at uh, an award ceremony where Rick West had won Canadian Sports Writer of the Year, and, and Paul was there and was the MC. So it was great to catch up with him. And I said we were going to get him on the podcast one day soon. So that's that's going to happen. Were you guys just having like a pun off? <laughs> I'm trying to... Part of the puns is I'm I'm carrying the torch. Like Paul's retired and he's not around the Leafs anymore. And, you know, I'm, I I need to step in and fill the void. Did you did you see the one I had for uh, Sandine getting in the fight last night? I did not. I, I called him Rasmus throwing Handines. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Jonas isn't big on the puns, but <laughs> and there was another one when uh when uh, Mark Giordano uh had, remember the goal was was that it didn't count and they did the review and then it counted? Yep. It was Mark Giordano's goal. Huh? Oh boy. <laughs> Some of these you should just send off for approval. I, I think to who? To you? <laughs> yeah. so you turn them Paul, all down. Maybe to Paul Hendrick. Like he'll have to be like your your czar. I actually I've grown to love the ones that are really terrible. I, I like a truly awful one. Is uh, I just I just read the responses and just laugh. So all right. What uh, else you got? Matt, you asked a question about Robertson, which is. I mean, I, I think we've been over this enough, but he says, don't they owe it to themselves and not to, not to mention to the kid to either play him in the NHL or the AHL? I mean, some something I think is going to have to give with that situation over the next. They're either going to have to play him more or they're going to have to send him down in the next month. Yeah, that was that was the point I tried to make when I wrote a little bit about it. Like, you kind of just got to pick a path. Like, if you're not if you're not committed to playing him most nights, then you should just send him down. And if you're committed to playing him most nights, play him most nights. And it doesn't feel like they're at the point where they're committed to playing him most nights. Then send him down. Let him get more games. Uh, Rohith says, since the California trip was recent, Jonas, you were there. I was not. Yep. Have you had an Have you had an In and Out burger? And what are your thoughts? So, I did have one while I was there. Um, I got to be honest, James. Like this is this is inside burger culture. In and out needs to be eaten really fresh. Like if you if you get it and take it home, it's not as good as like if you just get it and they have like a way you can eat it in your car. Whereas some other burgers, like you can give it some time and like the fries can stand up. The in and out it needs to be eaten right away. That's my analysis. <laughs> it, just, it just gets all sloppy if you wait. Yeah, it's just not as good when it's when it's like a little bit uh, when time has elapsed. Sloppy steaks. Have you seen yeah. that skit? No. I think you should leave. You got to watch. I think you should leave. They make sloppy steaks. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I can make my own. I can make inside references that you don't understand. I'll show. Uh, Steve wants to know if Riley misses any extended time. Does that force the Leafs' hand into needing to make a move? There's only so many extra minutes you can give the young guys. I don't think so, James. Like, I think that you can survive a, a, a few weeks or a month. Like, but if it's like going to impact his season, obviously that mm. changes things, right? I wonder, like, if they started losing a bunch of games and the D really struggles, then I think it starts to put some pressure on them to do something. Yeah, it's just asking a lot of a lot of guys. Like, it's asking Giordano to play a lot. It's asking Hall to play really, really. I tough mean, one minutes. thing to keep in mind, Jonas, is that if Riley's out for like, if he can go on LTIR, all of a sudden you got tons of cap space. 
Yeah, and, but like you also have to account for the fact that he would be coming back. Yeah, but maybe you just claim someone on waivers or get someone that like you don't mind losing down the road. I don't know. Like they they could add like another depth defenseman. Yeah. What about I was thinking when we were talking about the D earlier, what about playing Jordy Ben with someone like Lilgren? Like could that potentially be an option? Yeah. I mean, you could you could try that instead of right Hall. Yeah. Yeah, I would break up because uh, I think if you want to play Logan more, I think you probably need to break him and Sandine up. Like, I don't think you want those guys playing against then you're gonna have top, top San- lines. Yeah, then you're going to have Sandine and Mete playing together, I guess, mm-hmm. in third pair. But, like, I mean, if you, if you believe, if you want to see um, what Sandine and Logan can do. I just wouldn't play them together. Like, I. Oh, so. It, yeah, I, mean, I, so I, if, I think if your point is Sandine fair. With Hall, yeah, I don't like that pair. Boy, like it's. I guess you could break out. You could do that, James. You could do Sandine Hall, Giordano, Lilgren, and then Ben Mate or whatever. Mm. Alex wants to know: is it is it Matthews or is it the way that other teams are defending the Leafs? I think it's Matthews. I, I think it's Matthews. I've seen enough that he's just a little bit off. I, I don't think that teams couldn't defend Matthews last year when he had sixty goals in seventy three games, and now they can. Like that. Yes, that doesn't pass the smell test. Uh, Dean has a good question here. He says, is there anyone from the Marlies that could help out now? The Marlies are playing really well. Like they've been, they've been, I didn't think they were going to have a, a good year this year. Um, but they've been getting, uh, they've been doing a nice job of winning a lot of hockey games. I think they're nine, four and one or something like that this year, or 10, four and one. Uh, Alex Steves has been putting up a lot of points. Uh, Sir Semyon Der Argenchinsev. Did I, did I say that Just right? Just call him SGA. I know. Make it simple. He's put up a lot of points and suddenly looks like more of a prospect than he was previously. Uh, Joey Anderson has a lot of offensive production down there. Um, I don't know. It, I don't I, know I, that I look at any of those guys and say those guys no. are, are necessarily going to be able to help you. But maybe in, maybe if you want to trade someone out instead of home, Holmberg. And I don't know. Like I understand what... what Dean's asking he's like is like we need some offense in the bottom six is there anyone that can help and there's a bunch of players that are scoring in the AHL right now yeah but there's a difference between scoring in the AHL and scoring in the NHL like Joey Anderson well, has just, 10 goals in 15 AHL games sure he's not gonna be an NHL goal scorer well I, you don't need him to like put up 40 goals but you just need someone that can bang one in every three or four games and they don't have that right now well I mean that that brings you back to Robertson it's like well maybe yeah. he can but it's like I yeah. don't really see I I to be fair I don't really see a clear place for him in their lineup and he hasn't to your point like he hasn't I don't know like you don't watch his games he had that great debut obviously against Dallas where he scored the two goals but other than that it's just been like eh, like I'm not sure he's ready to play every night like and then you think back to how little experience he has and it's like well maybe that makes sense anyway I don't think it's the worst thing to maybe potentially mix in one of those Marley's guys that they're winning a lot of games they're they got guys there that are producing a lot of points like maybe give one of them an opportunity like you can't go another 20 games with your third and fourth line with a bunch of guys with two and three points all right uh Judson said wants to know what's the all time record for no look behind the back passes to the opposition in overtime, <laughs> and how long do you think it will take for Marner to break it? They have not looked good. I mean, you mentioned that the Dallas game where Robertson gets the over. That's the last time they look good in overtime. Yeah, it's just like the decision making. Like those are all their best players, and they've not 
made good decisions with the puck. Uh, Steve says, it looks to me like this team is three players away from having a serious shot in the playoffs. They need a top six left wing. They need a top four right defenseman. And they need a third line center. I mean, in an ideal world, if there was no cap, that's what they would need. I don't think it's realistic to add all of those things. No. How would you rank them? I mean, they might also need an extra goalie. I think they should, but yeah. I like the idea if you're adding like a really quality forward of getting someone who can play center and can move camp down the lineup. And you don't necessarily have to use them there. Like maybe it's someone who can play left wing and center a little bit. Yeah. Um, and on defense, it really depends on the caliber of the player. Like there's no point in adding another third pair defenseman. No. And that's, and that's where some of the conversations about some of those guys, like we've talked about, like Gavrikov or Mayfield. Yeah, like but you get guy, no con- yeah, those guys can play top four though, right? Whereas like someone like Klingberg, it's like he hasn't played well in Anaheim. But are He's they not like, really the- but my counter James is like, are they clearly better than like what you got? And like, uh, maybe. Uh, Bilal wants to know why is Robertson a daily decision whether he's playing or not and Engvall's in the lineup every single day. Uh, wow. And he says if this helps, he's the only guy who's won us an overtime game. I mean, B- yeah, go ahead. Bilal also wants to know when are you writing your next story, James? <laughs> yeah, James. Uh, I've been writing less this year. It's been, you know, there's been a lot. I'm glad someone asked that. It, it has been a lot for me on the management side behind the scenes. You know, we have a new ownership group and I've been putting a lot of work in there. And uh, right now we have Joshua Cloak is in Qatar at the World Cup writing about the Canadian team. His stuff has been fantastic. And I encourage, yeah, everyone, to, I encourage everyone to read it. Like he's all, I was talking to, to Cloak yesterday about just how amazing it is being in Doha. And he did a podcast over there about what it's like being a Canadian journalist covering uh and Canada's got the big game against Belgium tomorrow. Um, so we've been a little bit light in the number of leaf stories we've had just because I've been busy behind the scenes and and Josh is in Qatar. But once Josh gets back from uh, the Middle East and the World Cup ends, we're going to have Cam Sharon writing for us regularly. We're going to have Josh Cloak. We're obviously going to have you, Jonas. We're going to have Haley Salvian writing. We're going we're gonna to have lots and lots of Leafs content. So, um, And to answer your question, my next story is on Monday. Woo! But what, wasn't there another question in there? Not about you. Uh, the the other question was, shouldn't Robertson play over Engvall given what Engvall's been giving them lately? I think actually, Engvall's actually been better of late. Um, and he just brings more than Robertson. Like He doesn't bring the offense, obviously, as expected. I mean, he had 15 goals last year and I think 35 points and it's just not there. Uh, we have time for one more, and then I got to hustle off to practice, James. Oh, yeah. You got to get there. Yeah, there's yeah. stuff going on. Uh, Jason has a good... Jason says, what am I missing with Alex Kerfoot? He seems to be... He seems to be inconsequential. He can't score. He's not physical. He's struggling to make plays, and he's playing on the second line, which is supposed to be a cup-contending team. He's not good enough. You know what's interesting? Like Ker- Kerfoot had the... What, he have 51 points last year? Yep. A lot of them at even strength. And a if lot. you looked at... If you looked at the underlying numbers, it was there was a real heavily on ice shooting percentage driven component of that. Yes. So he was always going to come back down to earth, but I don't think anyone would have thought he would come back down this hard. He's got one goal in twenty games. He has six points. Now you know. So the shooting percentage gods are have come back. I mean, obviously he's going to produce more than that, but he's on pace for 
you know, what, 20 some points right now. And at three and a half million, I think it's a fair comment that they do need more from him right now. Well, and then you combine that with like Yarncroft has four and six and like those are kind of your two swingmen a little bit, like who kind of bounce around. Confidence is just really an issue, I think, for Kerfoot. It, mm. it just doesn't. In general or right now? I think in general, but especially right now when it's not going as well. Like you can you can see it in some of the plays he makes with the puck, some of the decisions he makes when he has an opportunity to shoot. He's not shooting either, right? Like he's got only got thirty two shots on goal in twenty games. And James, I can tell you before the year, like that was something he told me he wanted to do more of. He wanted to be less deferential to his line mates, like not in a bad way, but like when he has an opportunity to take the puck to net, try to score himself. And it just hasn't it hasn't been there. And he's not a great fit on either of those two lines to be honest so and he's another guy that's a pending ufa that i would think is probably not going to be back after this season so i don't know about that you think they're going to resign him i i don't know uh but i do know that like he is very valued by them obviously it's going to have to be a different type of contract um but i could see him coming back like he 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 is a valuable piece he's just miscast right now you think, well, what is the right way to cast him though? Like, where do you put him? I think he's better in like a, a kind of bottom six wing role or maybe even like your fourth line center or your third line. Uh, I guess we, we've seen the third line center. Yeah, thing, but, but the center thing, I don't think that that's where he can play. Yeah, but I think if like, let's say you played him on the wing of a third line and like occasionally he comes up and plays in your top six. I like, think I just think he's two useful. or two and a half million, I think that. I think he's more... Well, like, let me ask you this, James. Who, who would you rather have for $2.1 million, Kerfoot or Yarncroft? And to me, it's Kerfoot. Right. But you're not going to get him for $2.1 Why? Like, I mean, he... What if he, he has 25 points or 30 points? Well, he had 51 last year. I mean, some team's going to pay him. I mean, if... Well, if that's the case, then it's goodbye. I don't think he's going to be back. You know, it's mm. interesting you said that, you know, confidence is an issue. Kerfoot's a really, really smart guy. Yep. He's, he's, a, he's a brilliant, brilliant guy. And... I've talked to him a little bit. I mean, going back before the pandemic, he was on the team before the pandemic. Yeah, he was. He's been around for quite a while now. I remember talking to him a little bit. It's just sometimes I found like you'd ask him a question and he kind of overthinks the question, kind of like, what's your angle kind of thing. I mean, he's just, I think that there's sometimes with him, there's a little bit of overthinking on the ice. And when he struggles, like kind of overthinking that and kind of sometimes guys that are like that, it can prolong the slumps a little bit. I think that is astute astute analysis uh so as i mentioned before james our black friday our black friday sales on through the end of november 28th get a new subscription to the athletic for yourself or for someone you love for the holidays one dollar per month for 12 months that's a year uh go to the athletic.com slash leaf report and if you haven't listened to the athletic hockey show go to youtube.com slash at the athletic hockey show uh james We will talk next week. See ya. Goodbye. One day Jonas will be on YouTube too. Thanks for listening, everyone. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10 
$10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.